0: My children grew up in a home where their parents loved dogs. We loved having dogs around the house and we've always loved that and so our son has one dog, our oldest daughter has two dogs, and as of yesterday our youngest daughter has three dogs. So we just keep accumulating dogs and unfortunately for uh, for Beth and me every time they go on vacation we get everybody's dogs. But we love dogs in our house, and uh, my oldest daughter has what's called a Border Collie. Now, a Border Collie, if you know this breed, uh, it is an incredible breed. They are uh, arguably the smartest breed of dog. Now, why you would want to buy a dog that's smarter than you, I have no idea. But. <laughs> Amy and her husband Matt have this border collie named Sammy. Border collies, if you're familiar with them, are very energetic. You've got to get them out a couple times a day. They need purpose. They love to work. Border collies were bred in Great Britain, and they were bred to herd livestock, particularly sheep. And if you have children, they will herd your children, which is just a benefit of having this dog. So they are tenacious, energetic, hardworking. And so I want to show you a video, very brief, and, I, and I'm not, I had them uh, not use the sound for it. So I want you to watch, but my daughter Amy is giving her dog Sammy, she's giving her dog Sammy commands. Here we go. Round she goes, over the top, and now she catches the Frisbee. This is an athletic dog. This dog can do so much. You throw a Frisbee, it's rare for her not to catch the Frisbee. So my daughter Katie has a Great Pyrenees. And if you've ever, if you've ever known a Great Pyrenees, they're very different from a Border Collie. Now the Great Pyrenees was also bred this time in France. It was created in order to work with livestock, just like the Great. Uh, well, I'm sorry, just like the Border Collie. But where they're different is the Border Collie's job is to herd livestock, to keep them all in the right place. So they have to be athletic, they have to be fast, they have to be smart. The Great Pyrenees was bred for one purpose. And that was to protect the livestock. They are known to be very calm. In fact, when Katie bought the dog, the breeder said, now don't call me over the next week telling me that you think there's something wrong with your dog. They do sleep all the time. They're very well-mannered, very serious, very gentle dogs, great with, with family and kids. But... If they feel like the family or the livestock is being threatened, that's when they rise up. They are barkers. Just ask my daughter's neighbors. And they have a ferocious bark because they were bred to frighten lions, to frighten bears. They are over typically well over 100 pounds. And when they get on their hind paws and, and stand up, they can stare a bear in the eyes, and they can scare that bear away. Now, Katie watched Sammy catching a frisbee and doing all of these great tricks, so she decided she was going to train Sammy to do the same thing. And so, I mean, Sammy Kona, thank you, Beth. So here we go. <laughs> and here comes Sammy. You see, poor Kona was not bred to catch and chase Frisbees. Her purpose is not to catch Frisbees and jump over these tall fixtures like, a, like an athletic dog. Her job is to protect the flock. And so to ask Kona... To be athletic and to catch frisbees like Sammy just isn't fair. It's not right. And Sammy, the border collie, is not very good at protecting the family. She wasn't bred and created for that. Now, here's my point. This morning, as we continue looking at the Holy Spirit, we're talking about how the Holy Spirit empowers and we're going to see two ways this morning that the Holy Spirit empowers. But one of the ways is that the Holy Spirit empowers us to do ministry, to carry on the ministry of Jesus. Now, some of you were all different. Your purpose and the unique way that God has created you and called you and stirred within your heart through the Holy Spirit is going to be unique among God's people. And so you're not going to ask somebody who's a border collie to be a great Pyrenees. You're not going to ask somebody who's a great Pyrenees to be a border collie. Our job is to understand how God has uniquely created us and uniquely empowered us through the presence of the Holy Spirit and the gifts that he has given to us to serve the kingdom of God. Now, I don't think there's, there are many things in this world more beautiful than watching Sammy streak out, leap in the air, and catch a Frisbee. It's extraordinary because that's what she was made to do. She's athletic. She loves to do this. Poor Kona is totally disinterested in the Frisbee. But what an amazing dog. That dog protects That dog dog scares away any animals. They go on a walk. If any other stray animals come at them or any wild animals, Kona scares them off. You see, they have their place. They have their purpose. They have their design. So do you. And so do I. And there's nothing more wonderful than being what God has created us to be. And so this morning, that's what we're going to talk about. How is it, that God has empowered us as his people. Well, here's the first thing I want you to see. The Holy Spirit empowers us, first and foremost, by giving new life To every Christian, to every believer, every person who has said yes to Jesus, every person who has said, I want to follow Jesus in my life. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. Every believer is empowered by the Holy Spirit and given new life. Friends, some of us remember when we first became believers, We remember when the Holy Spirit first came upon us, that moment we chose to follow Jesus. We came alive. And that's what Jesus said would happen. I want you to see this this passage here in John 3, 5, and 6. Jesus said, very truly, remember, whatever Jesus says, very truly, or uh, or it might say truly, truly, very truly, I tell you, No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and by spirit, by the Holy Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. We were all born, right? Physically born. But spirit gives birth to spirit. There are a lot of people in the world who say that they are religious or that they are spiritual. But there's only one path that leads to the awakening of our spirit. In a moment, I'll describe what that looks like. But there's only one path. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And on the moment that we believe, we receive the presence of the Holy Spirit who brings us alive. I want you to see this Next passage here in John 6, 63, Jesus says this, the Spirit gives what? What does it say? Life. The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and of life. This passage, I want to read to you um, a great passage that comes out of Ephesians chapter 2. It's one that uh, for me is extraordinary. He talks about the Paul is talking about the fact that we were dead in our sins before we met Christ. We were dead. What does it mean to be dead? It's lifeless. And he says this, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our sins. It is by grace that you have been saved. I remember, I remember when God, when I opened my heart to Jesus and the Spirit came to dwell within me. All of a sudden, I had a heart for God. All of a sudden, I began to see spiritual things, things as they really are. You see, friends, there is a physical reality. We all see the physical reality. But there's another dimension that we miss, and that is the spiritual reality. We can only see what God is doing through faith in Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit bringing life, resurrecting our dead spirits. And so I get to see the work of God in the world. When I look at the ocean, I don't just see an ocean. I see the power of God. I see the majesty of God. I see the creativity of God. I see the goodness of God. I see the beauty of what God has made. And I know more of who God is. When I have a relationship with someone, I see the spirit at work as he gives me insight into what he is doing or wanting to do in the heart of that person, and he gives me wisdom and discernment to understand because my spirit, which was dead, is now alive. When I read the word of God, they're no longer just words on a page, But they are words of God for me, and by His Spirit, God enables me to understand and comprehend not just what it says, not just what it means, but what it means for me as I live my life in this day and in this time. The Holy Spirit brings life to us. He empowers us. He opens our eyes that we see what is real and genuine and authentic. He opens our hearts that we may receive all that He has for us. Is that beautiful? Friends, there may be some of you here today who have never opened your eyes, who have never seen what I am talking about today. Have you ever made the decision to say, Jesus, I trust in you not just as my Savior? but I trust in you as the Lord of my eternity. I will serve you. I will love you. I will follow you to the ends of the earth and until I take my very last breath. I remember when I first came to Jesus, I had been going to church for a couple of years, and I I found it kind of boring. I sat um, with a bunch of my friends, and we would goof around during the service, I remember the night of the day that I gave my life to Jesus. I went to the evening church service. And I was enthralled. God was speaking to me. And I look back on it now, theologically, I understand what had happened. God had made me alive. My spirit hungered. And I thirst to connect with the living God. It's incredible. Incredible. Here's the second area of empowerment that I want you to see this morning. And that is the Holy Spirit empowers by giving us power to do His work in the world. Okay, John 14, Jesus said, I must go away. Now, why did He say, I must go away? Well, He went on to say, so that I may give my Spirit to you, the Holy Spirit. Now to all believers. So imagine, Jesus, the Spirit with Jesus, and now the Spirit with every believer. What can happen? Jesus said, greater things you will do because I go to be with the Father. Why is that? Because now the Holy Spirit is with every Christian. So it's not just in Judea and Jerusalem. Now throughout every, every corner of the globe. Your job and my job, the call to the church, is make disciples of all nations. What does that mean? It means to carry out the work of the church, the work of Jesus in this generation, in this time that God has called us to live, in this place that he has called us to be. We are the church called to carry out the ministry of Jesus. Now, something happened In the uh, early 20th century and it went on for a while and that was this the church saw themselves as shareholders who hired pastors to do the ministry for the people that is not the way the church is to operate here's what the Bible says every Christian Every Christian is empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the ministry of Jesus in all the places that he calls them to be and to go. That through the church, God may continue to reach the world with the gospel and to transform the world. Now, isn't that a more powerful image? In Ephesians 4, the Bible says that the role of the pastor is simply this. To equip you to do what the Holy Spirit is calling you to do. is to empower you by coming alongside and equipping you and encouraging you and empowering you by the truth of God's word to go out and to live out God's purposes in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your family, in your school, in all the places that God calls you to be. Friends, I want to tell you that you have no greater purpose in this world than to allow the Spirit of God to empower you to change the world around you. If you are a banker, that is not your vocation, that is your avocation. Your vocation is to carry out the ministry of Jesus with the spiritual gifts that God has given to you. If you are an accountant, that is your avocation. Your vocation is to carry out the work of of the Holy Spirit, the work of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit to transform by using the spiritual gifts that God has given to you. That is your purpose. That is your design. And that is your greatest joy. If you have never experienced the joy of seeing God change people around you by using the gifts that God has given to you, you are missing something extraordinary, something beautiful, something wonderful. So here's what I want you to see. We see this first verse. Now, to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So let's break that down. Each one. What is each one? It doesn't say each pastor. What does each one mean? Each one of who? Us, right? Each Christian, each believer. The Holy Spirit, the manifestation of the Spirit is given. Every Christian, the Holy Spirit gives gifts or a gift. And we'll talk about what that means in just a moment. But gives a gift and will, to change the world for the kingdom of God to further the work that Christ did in the 33 years that he lived in this world, the work that he continues to do, but now through you and me, the church. It's beautiful. We read on and it says it's given for the common good. And we read in other similar passages, the purpose, the purpose is so that we, you and I, may reflect the ministry of God to build up The body of Christ, which is the church. Friends, I want to tell you, there is nothing more wonderful, more thrilling. There is nothing more fulfilling than letting God use you to change the world. And the world may be your neighborhood. The world may be your school. The world may be your workplace. The world may be your marriage, your children but God wants to use you with the gifts that he has given to you. Now, the problem is most of us in the church are not using the gifts that God has given to us. Instead of being in the game, we are on the sidelines. And so, the work that God is wanting to do, we are holding it back by not being engaged. So, let's talk about, let's talk about this as I talk about it from 1 Corinthians 12, 11, what we see in 1 Corinthians 12 is one of the greatest descriptions, as well as Romans 12 and Ephesians 4, the greatest descriptions of what, this, what the Holy Spirit is doing in terms of empowering us and equipping us to do the work of Jesus in the world. All these are the work of the one and the same Spirit And he distributes, and the them is spiritual gifts to each one of us, just as he determines. So the Holy Spirit determines the gifts that we receive. Each one different, each one unique. Now what we do here at Crosspoint, there are are a lot of different ways to look at spiritual gifts. But what we do here at Crosspoint is we use the acronym SHAPE. And I want to uh, use that with you here this morning to explain how we can discover our unique place to carry out the work of God in the kingdom, in this world, the kingdom of this world. Here's a definition of spiritual gifts. It's any ability that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and used to strengthen the church to carry on the ministry of Christ until he returns. Now, when I say empower, here's what I mean. Empower does not mean lots of people come up and say to you, wow, you're really good at that. Now, that may be it, but we can use our natural abilities to just bring glory to ourselves. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is using the gift that God has given to us in a certain context where God uses it to change the people around us, to affect the people around us. I remember when I had the privilege of sitting down with Dallas Willard and, and, uh, for an hour and just having a one-on-one time with Dallas Willard, and I asked him, I said, how do you know if you're called to ministry? And here was his answer. He said, it's not that lots of people think you should be a pastor. That's not what it is. He said, you have to ask this question. Are people changed by the work that you are doing? That's when you know it's not you. That's when you know it's the work of God. Friends, if you are transformed, if you are changed for the kingdom of God by the work of someone else, that is not them. That is the the gift that God has empowered to transform your life. The glory always goes to God. It's not me. It's not Lon. It's not Danny. It's not Kalen. It's not Chris. It's not Tim. It's the work of the Holy Spirit empowering the gifts that he has given to us in order to affect, impact your life. The same is true for you. So let's look at this this unique shape. Spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are are a variety of different gifts that the Spirit gives. Let me share with you uh, just some of them. There's the gift of administration. Wow, gift of administration. Wow, get me in line for that one. That sounds exciting. It's empowering, it's incredible. The gift of administration is the ability to put things together in such a way that they impact and they empower with vision. They organize with vision, and the Holy Spirit empowers that process so that our work is effective and impactful. It's the gift of teaching and shepherding people, teaching people, shepherding them, just as Jesus did, just as David did, shepherding the people of God. But it's not our gift. It's not what we are doing in our humanity, in our flesh. It is what the Holy Spirit is doing and accomplishing through us. Discernment, the ability to see what God wants us to see. Evangelism, the gift of evangelism. Boy, it just seems that you might think that when I talk to people about Jesus, people seem to respond That's not you. That's the Holy Spirit. That's a spiritual gift. Encouragement and exhortation. Encouragement isn't making people feel better. Encouragement is empowering them through the words of truth to do what God is calling them to do, to be what God is calling them to be. Faith is an incredible, incredible spiritual gift. When other people are running around in panic, the people of faith are saying, God can be trusted, and the people of God are given strength in that moment. You see, the whole purpose of the spiritual gifts is to, through the power of what God has given in the gifts, is to empower the church to carry out the work that God has given the church to do. There's the gift of giving. I love the gift of giving. Giving. It's amazing. Some people, they just can never give enough because God has given that gift and he empowers those gifts that they're used to continue the work of God. The gift of healing and prophecy and help and service. The gift of hospitality And hospitality is creating a space where people can be who they are, loved as God loves them. And we are able to live that out in relationship with them. Knowledge, leadership, mercy, wisdom, celibacy, and the one you can only use once, the gift of martyrdom. These are just some of the different gifts, spiritual gifts, that God gives to his people. But friends, if we just have a handful of people using their gifts, there's so much that we cannot accomplish. I believe that God has called to this church every person who's here because you have a gift or gifts that will complete the work that God has given us to do. We cannot be the church accomplishing what God has called us to do unless every Christian it's using the gifts that God has given to them. Now, how do you know what your gifts are? Well, we are going to help in that process in the series that we're beginning in the fall. We are going to be doing uh, something called Organic Disciples. And we are going to be training and equipping you, giving you all sorts of tools to grow in your faith and in your Christian service. We're going to be providing an online, um, what do you call it, online assessment so that you can begin to understand what your spiritual gifts may be. Now, you have to try them out. You have to use them. Because you might think, well, I always wanted had the gift of teaching. And maybe you don't have the gift of teaching. But you take the assessment and you want it to be the gift of teaching. It comes out, maybe number one, the gift of teaching. But maybe that's not it. Maybe it's one of these other ones that you never thought about before. But it's the gift or gifts that God has given to you. Then you try using that gift. And you see what God does. And it's extraordinary. So the S in your shape. The S stands for spiritual gifts. Let's go to the next one. And that is heart passions. Heart passions. Spiritual gifts tells you what you do for the kingdom of God. Your heart passion tells you where you use your gifts for the kingdom of God. So spiritual gift, if I have the spiritual gift, let's say, of teaching, I know that God empowers my teaching. So the question becomes, well, where do I do that? And I look to the passions that God has given to me. So we might have five people up here all with the spiritual gift of teaching, But this person, their heart passion is children. This person, their heart's passion is youth. This person, their heart's passion is single parents. This person, their heart's passion is training parents how to bring faith into the home. This person, their passion is to teach older adults. And so you have You have the same spiritual gift being used in all these different places, depending on the passion that God has given to us. This passage in Philippians 2.13, listen to what it says. For God is working in you. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Do you believe that God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him? You see, when God calls us to do something, I don't worry about whether I can do it because God will do it through me. It becomes an act of faith. God calls me to do something that is beyond myself. I can't do that. But God says, I know you can't. That's why I'm empowering you. That's why by my spirit, I am going to do it through you. Man, is there nothing more wonderful and beautiful than seeing God do the impossible through your life? Why would you not sign on to that? It's extraordinary. The heart passions. We're gonna give you that inventory that we'll have available to you in about six weeks. is gonna give you the opportunity to also wrestle with what is my heart passion? What do I care passionately about? God gives you those desires. It comes from him in order to accomplish the work that pleases him. Here's the third thing I want you to see, and that's abilities. Now, these are our natural abilities. Two types of abilities, natural God-given abilities you have had your entire life. You've just always been good at this. Those abilities are given to you by God. Often, those abilities will connect, will connect with your spiritual gifts, not always. But often they will. Oh, I've always, you know, i have a gift of discernment. I've always kind of been interested in people and in relationships. And God just gives us these things that give us the ability, these natural abilities that he will use. Now, in the Old Testament, we see another spiritual gift that's not mentioned in the New Testament, and that's the spiritual gift of craftsmanship, of being able to work with your hands and to create things. Now, there's another set of abilities that you acquire through training or education. Now, let me give you an example. I am, like, I am like that great Pyrenees. There's a whole lot of things that I'm just not very good at. It's just not natural for me. I have people come up to me and they say, "Wow, well, I can never do what you do. And I say, well, what do you do? Well, I'm a mechanic. I could never do what you do. I mean, there's so many things in this world I am terrible at. I just can't do them. I remember, Chris, I don't know if you remember this, my brother Chris, he rebuilt a motor in a car when he was just in college. And I had the hand-me-down car, I loved it. It was my dad's car, then Chris's car, then my car. It was a 1963 Volvo 122S wagon. And it had, I mean, you could climb in this engine. There was just, you know, it didn't have all these bells and whistles. There was so much room in that engine. So I changed the oil. And then I noticed that it was leaking. I could not figure out where this thing was leaking. So I got Chris, because he's really good, just naturally great with cars. So I said, Chris, come and help me. I, I need you to help me. So he says, well, pop the hood. I pop the hood. He looks in there and starts shaking his head. And I'm thinking, oh boy. Something really bad with the engine. Chris, what did you see? What did you find? Do you remember this? Chris reaches in, pulls out a can of oil that I had left in the engine. And apparently, when I closed the hood, I punctured it, and it was slowly leaking. Do not call me to fix your car. I'm like the Great Pyrenees where the Frisbee bounces off my head. It is not, I don't have that ability. It's just not there. I'm not good with building things. (laughs) Do not say a word. I am terrible. Beth's always saying, why don't you just call somebody? Because I know I can fix it. My dad always fixed things. I can fix it. And all my brothers are good at fixing things. I didn't get that gene. I can't fix anything. But there are other things that I can do. And the same is true for you. I have abilities that I've acquired through training and education. I can do accounting. Because I was a CPA before I was a pastor. I can do accounting. I like accounting. In fact, sometimes in my office, I will do problems just to, just because everything fits somewhere and ministry is never like that. <laughs> the next one, personality in shape. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. This is the first verse after chapter 11 of Hebrews, which talks about all these different Old Testament people who live by faith. You know what you know about them? They're all different, radically different people. We want to see. no, God only uses extroverts, baloney. Our world celebrates extroverts. Introverts have every bit as important ministry as do extroverts. There are people you can reach. I could never reach because I'm a little much, but you can reach them because you come at it from a very different, very different angle because you're more introverted than I am. And you come at it in a way that is effective. I've heard people say, my personality, there's nothing I can do. No, God made you the way you are because he wants to use the way you are to change the world. You don't have to be me. You don't have to be Pastor Lon. You don't have to be Kaylin. You don't have to you be you. And so I look at my personality and I say, where does that fit? Where does that fit? Where would I most naturally fit given the way that God made me? God is not going to call you to do things that are different from the way he created you. Now, he's going to call you to do things that are going to require faith but he made you to do what he's created you to do, right? And here's the last one I want you to see, and that is experiences. God has given you, all of us, we have had different experiences in our lives. And friends, God never wastes an experience. He uses all of them. And you're thinking right now, as you think about the experiences of your life, you might be thinking of something terrible that happened to you. Go, God can't use me, God can't use me, I've done this, or i failed in this area. God uses our failures to help other people. We have some people in our church that are very active in addiction ministries. Every one of them comes out of an addiction themselves. And now God is using their experience to give life and freedom, and power to those who are struggling with it as they had at one time in their lives. I had, in my last church, I had a woman, after a sermon like this, come to me and say, hey, I was, when I was in high school, I was, I had a a, a terrible eating disorder. And I've never admitted, I wanted to admit it, anybody to know about it. But this was my experience. Do you think I can work with teenagers? And she became a very influential influential volunteer in our youth ministry, working particularly with girls who were struggling with an eating disorder. Who can speak to that better than someone who's been there? I had a man named Maury DeYoung. Maury was a retired pastor Who started another ministry actually before he retired, but he left the church ministry of another church, came to our church. And Maury's son, 17 years old, had been killed on the highway about three years before he came to our church. Friends, that rocks your world as you can imagine. And Maury said to me, Don, if you ever have somebody who loses a child, give them my number. I had numerous people call Maury over the years, the succeeding years, because nobody could speak to that circumstance better than Maury. I've never lost a child. I don't, I've not walked that walk. Maury understood it, and he could speak in ways I could never speak. What if the worst things that you look at your life and say that's the worst thing that's ever happened, what if that's the very thing that God wants to use to bring life to others? And then finally, therefore, Paul writes to Timothy, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. That's the spiritual gift. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but he gave us a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Timothy, don't give up. Timothy, use the gifts that God has given to you. The Holy Spirit has given you a gift. Use that gift. Well, Timothy, in using that gift, was was, um, in conflict with people, and he was a tender heart. And that conflict was eating him up. And he didn't want to do it anymore. And Paul said, Timothy, stop it. God did not give you a spirit of timidity. He gave you a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Fan that gift. Fan it into a flame. And maybe that's you this morning. You need to fan that gift by using it and seeing what God does. I made a list of just some of the reasons. One of the things you see in the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament, is so many people, so many people, time and time again, who say to God, God comes to them and says, here's what I want you to do, and they say, "Ah, no, 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 I don't want to do that. And I understand why. I wouldn't have wanted to do it either. But friends, what if, what if when we take that step of faith, God actually does something amazing? You will never see the power of God until you take the step of faith to do what you cannot do apart from God. Let me just share with you some excuses. Now, I want to say this before I give you the excuses. I'm talking about somebody who says as a regular pattern of their life. I, I can't serve. I can't use the gifts that God has given to me. There are seasons of life where we need to pull back for a variety of reasons. You've just had a baby. Right now is probably not the time to be doing leading sports ministries. Whatever it is, it might be a season where you need to focus more into your children right now in this season, more into your marriage in this season. I'm talking about a regular attitude of, I am not going to be involved. I'm too busy. Oh, I bet if I asked how many people feel like they're too busy, almost all of you would raise your hands. But friends, God does not call you to do something that keeps you from serving. It may be that you've said yes to things you should not not have said yes to, and you need to reevaluate if busyness is keeping you from doing what God has called you to do. Here's a second excuse. I'm retired. I did that. Let somebody else do that now. No, friends, we serve until we take our very last breath. We don't stop. We keep going until we take our very last breath. Or you might be saying, I don't have any talent. I don't have any abilities. I don't have any gifts. I want you to hear this. Hear this, please. If that is your excuse this morning, you're saying more about what you believe about God than what you believe about yourself. Because what you're saying is, God does not have the power to do something great through me. My God is not that small. I often say this, and I believe it. I think God called me to be a pastor so that other people know, boy, if he can do it, anybody can do it. Seriously. God calls the least, those that are the least, to do the greatest things in the world. God can do it. Yeah, no, I can't do it. You can't do it, but God can do it. Or I've made, my, I've made mistakes in my life. I don't have a place anymore. Pastor, if you know what I've done in my life, you wouldn't, you wouldn't want me serving. Do you, do you love Jesus? Are you seeking to live a life today that honors him? Then serve. The past is the past. The Apostle Paul called himself the greatest of sinners. And God used him to change the world. And then finally, what if I'm stuck doing something I don't feel God has called me to do? Carry, Talk to your leader. Do it until there's a, a right time to stop. But find that place that God has called you. What I say to people all the time is try it out, try it out, try it out. If it's not what God's calling you to do, find something else because there is something that God is calling you to do. That's why he brought you here. Is that amazing? You have purpose. You have design. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this incredible reality that each and every one of us has purpose and design, a unique call. We're not all border collies. We're not all Labrador retrievers. We're not all Shih We're not all Great Pyrenees. But we are what you called us to be and created us to be. Because what we are is what you want to use to change the world for the sake of Jesus. God, I know there might be some here today saying, Lord, I'm willing, but I just don't know where, where to go. Lord, help us. Help us to be bold. Help us to be courageous. Help us to fan the flame of our gifts. Lord, that we may see you do what only you can do through our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.